Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast special edition here. Uh, it is 9.46 p.m. here Sunday night in Abu Dhabi. I'm just going to say it, full disclosure, we've been drinking. A little bit. We've been drinking. Do, do we want to say that here? We, it's a safe place. We can do whatever we want. We're in a hotel room. We are about to get on a 2.30 a.m. flight here from Abu Dhabi to JFK. Um, but before we left, we wanted to debrief on our pretty, I think it's pretty safe to call it, a pretty special week here in Abu Dhabi. It was. Came in with, I don't even think we came in with expectations. I had absolutely no idea what to expect. I think I remember like an interview or something Rory did back in the day when he said something like, yeah, and you know, obviously there's a lot of expats in Dubai. And I remember thinking like, hey, maybe that's obvious. I didn't know that until he said that. Like I didn't, I had no idea what the Middle East was like, what any of this place was like, why golf came here, why it was so important here. I think I understand it a lot better now. It's kind of the situation where we're a little bit of ignorant Americans. A little bit. And yeah, we I try mean, to we try to stay away from that connotation. It is, but as it, much as possible, but I think in this instance we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. It's so far away from the US and it's much more commonplace for Europeans. I mean, we met mm-hmm. people from legitimately probably 35 to 40 countries this week, but the majority were from somewhere in Europe or mm-hmm. had some kind of tie to Europe. But so. and as far as away from, you know, Australia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, um Mexico, Canada, like yeah, people from you know Asia, all over the place. It was, it's a, we like the U.S. calls itself the melting pot, but Abu Dhabi, is, <laughs> Abu Dhabi, Dubai. So we haven't been to Dubai. We've heard a lot of things yeah. about Dubai, and we've learned a lot. I'll be, I'll be honest. I didn't know as of like three, four years ago before we started kind of covering some of these events that Abu Abu Dhabi and Dubai were different places. I legitimately didn't know that. Can we say it the right way though? Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Like, like all the, there's so many Brits here. There's so many. Like every European vo- tour voiceover comes from. Uh, Abu from, Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Um, so we, we, the full disclosure, we were invited to come out by the tournament. And, but a lot of things kind of went into consideration before we came. I mean, it's a long, long trip to make. Um, We've been invited out by other tournaments as well we're, correct and we said try no. to be discerning to those right not uh, to not like we're not trying to toot our own horn it's just we want to bring unique experiences and unique personalities and, and relevant fields it's, as well yeah opposite the career builder made it a pretty yeah. easy decision like if this was opposite tory pines and tiger yeah. like it'd be pretty hard to say to you know kind of ignore the pga tour for a week but um like i said never been to this part of the world and there's a reason that a ton of players come play this. One of those reasons is obviously appearance fees, like the dirty little secret, not even a I don't secret. I think it's a secret. No. They're pretty upfront about it. Yeah, they're just, not trying to hide it. Um, players get paid to come play this event, but um, I, I was, I, everyone I kind of told, even there was somewhat in the industry that had been here, kind of started saying to me, like, oh, you're going to love it there. You're going to love it. And I kind of thought, I mean, like, what, what were you expecting when you before you came? Uh, I, I mean... Honestly, the first two or three days, I was kind of still in Not limbo. Sold. Yeah, I wasn't sold. And then we got off the flight, and 
you know, we'd heard things that they were going to, they were going to tax our cameras. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, it, like it just seemed like we were going to this ultra exotic place when really after being on the ground here, I think the the thing that woke me up was kind of the Friday brunch scene. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and just, just the number of expats here. But, um, I don't know. I just, after, I guess we've been here seven days now. It's, uh, I feel really comfortable. <laughs> well, we no like to explain it. We didn't know whether or not you could legitimately drink in this country, and we didn't know. Yeah, like we left the tournament at seven thirty on Friday night, and it was like any bar scene you could like at the actual tournament. The place was overflowing with and people, this, and this wasn't just at the tournament too. Like people had said, "Hey, make sure you go out in the city in Abu Dhabi, or if you make it up to Dubai, go out on." you know, Friday midday and just go out and get brunch. Yeah. And we're like, all right, whatever. And then we kind of saw it and we we're like, oh, oh okay. Oh That's what God. they were talking about. That's what they mean. You know? uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about Abu Dhabi, but I first want to talk about the actual golf tournament. So one, obviously one of the, one of the reasons we wanted to come, it is the best field in golf this week. Uh, Dustin Johnson's here. Matt Kuchar's here from the U.S. perspective. Uh, Bright, sorry, Bryson DeChambeau was also here, although that was a bit of an abbreviated. They take visit. they take pride in their USAM and British AM champs, right here, which I respect. Yeah, you know, but yeah, Bryson acted like a child all week, and or actually, no, no, he didn't act like a child all week. He acted like a child on the back nine each day. He played well the first nine and he acted like a child the rest of the day. That was the intel that we had received and I witnessed, I did witness him just absolutely yeah. chuck a ball at his caddy. I but feel like he's making strides, but he's he's not he's not close yet. He's getting in his yeah. own way a little bit. Um, Tron, Tron just quit his job, if you'd heard on one of the more recent podcasts and this was his kind of first full week covering, uh, covering golf and uh, kind of broke the shackles off of getting in the getting in the lab, getting writing getting the done. mix. Yeah. yeah, I kind of had to convince DJ. You know, hey man, let me get out there. Let me go. Yeah, yeah. we you couldn't convince Tron. DJ to come. DJ missed. I'm just gonna say it. Sorry, DJ yeah. missed out. It actually worked out great. So we shot a bunch of stuff for five, like the first five days. Send all that back home to DJ to edit. So shout out to DJ for the awesome editing and the video work that we did this week. But. Uh, your first European tour event, did it feel starkly different from covering a PGA tour event? At first, no. I mean, everything was kind of similar. And I was trying to, one of the things I said to DJ was I was trying to get kind of out of my comfort zone and get totally, you know, just totally break the spell of my day job and just dive headfirst into knowing of stuff. I think that's his, like mission accomplished because it was, it was golf, 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 golf. And, um, it didn't feel outwardly different at first until we felt until I heard the music on the range. <laughs> that was the first thing. It was so there is actual audible music on the driving range yeah. with speakers towards the players while they hit on the range. And for the most part, it was pretty good music. I think the yeah. first day it was like I don't know, kind of elevator '80s pop music. But like there was, I think there was a DJ spinning one day on it, and then some Vanessa Carlton going. Like they had some, they had some. Like just some kind of catchy some hits. Fire? Yeah, they had some heat. <laughs> um, but it but it totally altered the the whole. I just, and I know it's a seasoning opening event, and everything is very, uh, you know, a little bit more like everybody's in a good mood, everybody's happy to be out here, and had kind of a little bit time to decompress from the prior season. And right. Everybody's ready to get back cracking at it, but on the same token, it definitely just 
set the vibe for the whole range and every you know everybody yeah. was just in a good mood it was a positive atmosphere it, it did like and i think their actual theme for the photo shoot that we saw on tuesday was like back to school theme like they took yearbook photos yeah. and that was kind of like a their their theme or whatever for the but it was kind of like a reunion of people and just got we they kind of got to see like the camaraderie between the guy and i know everyone talks about oh guys on the european tour are just closer than they are on the pga tour but we did kind of get a glimpse into that and um, getting to spend a little bit of time out on the course watching guys I wouldn't usually get to see with crowds down. There were some big crowds on Friday, especially, and some on Saturday. But even today, I mean, I was yeah. yeah. I mean, you get but you get into some remote parts of the course. And there's only a few people yeah. around, and you just overhear the conversations the guys have, and just the banter back and forth, and that that comes with I don't know the whole general attitude out on this tour was kind of. It's your first European tour event. Yeah, it was. Um... I don't know, they were glad to have you out there and they were glad that you were it was more about the golf than it was the ancillary elements right. of the tournament, which was but, refreshing. But on top of that, like you and I had kind of wandered around a little bit with without it being like shoved down your throat, like we just kind of walked down to this like the village like by the range. We didn't even we were here we've been here since Monday midday. We didn't make it to the village until Saturday afternoon. Like, just nobody like going. really told us to go there. We we did top golf thing, we did rugby cricket tim henman was out there yeah we did a long drive contest we did yeah yeah. the 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 top golf crush thing which some shaky scoring going on on that but whatever um all right before we rave too much more about the tournament doubled up i I think i had 540 versus yeah it was the scoring got all messed up but anyways (laughs) um let's talk about tommy fleetwood uh, a couple hours ago just shot a back 930 in the wind to defend his title at the Abu Dhabi champion HSBC championship presented by EGA aluminum aluminum uh, aluminum tubes em- Emirates global aluminum is that what it was yeah um can we can we talk about that back 930 yeah I was uh I was a little bit I was actually in the media center in the front nine I kind of went out to the range uh when guys were warming up and then Sully went out on the course after we watched you know the first first or the last few groups tee off and I was like all right Go have at it. I'm going to go watch because it was such a tightly bunched leaderboard. It was hard to guess what was going to be the, yeah, the group to follow. Yeah, you had five or six guys within three three or four shots of the lead. And, and the wind was blowing this morning, too. So that was kind of something that we hadn't seen the first. It was a birdie fest for the first yeah. three days. It was pretty pretty easy. It's not, a, it's not a short golf course by any stretch, and the greens were pretty frothy. 7,600 yards. Yeah, like but, it, but, it, but just, you know, there's not a whole lot of elevation change and kind of it's it's in front of you and then when the wind starts blowing especially from the direction it blew from today it's it's not necessarily dead into you or it's it's always hurting or helping a little bit off of one side so it adds a lot more complexity to it um but yeah Sally went out and followed who'd you follow the first nine so Rory and Fitz uh Rory was one back Fitz was two back going into it and um uh, and I got to see some of each of those guys the first few rounds and I was you know some of each of them well guys. Rory and DJ <laughs> were paired together and and we got to see and so Rory DJ Fleetwood played the first few rounds and got to follow that and Fleetwood definitely hits it shorter than both of those guys but DJ Rory are right next to each other in driving distance and just kind of watching the lines they took, the, the lines Fleetwood took were not like consequentially different. But you know, Fleetwood except for fourteen, yeah, and Fleetwood just is twenty yards further back. But for the most part, can kind of play a similar game. Uh, I picked up Fitz after he went out in twenty nine on Saturday and kind of watched him play that back nine. And, and he hit twenty nine, or he he shot twenty nine and hit two fairways. Correct. 
And, he had, um, and we watched him warm up, and he was... He was searching on the range. Yeah, I felt like it was going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, and he went out in 29. Low, um, lowest front nine score in the history of this course or tournament. Can we talk about the No Laying Up podcast bump? It's real. It's a real it thing. Real. It's the yeah. fact. The evidence is it's 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 a factual thing. Um, and then watched him on a couple holes on the back and watched him like take three wood on a couple dogleg holes that Rory DJ legitimately hit wedge into yeah they have license to just fly over the bunker without regard and he's hitting probably four iron into and yeah. i was that the, the stark difference that comes from like a you yeah. know the different styles of play and seeing how much hitting the ball uh, how much it opens up some holes that you know some guys just absolutely get punished by and we talked to richie ramsey a lot i talked to a lot of guys just about strategy around this course and it's like all right this thing's set up for bombers. I mean, let's just call it like it is. I mean, well, that's the thing. I think Andy Andy Johnson from Friday is always talking about kind of how dog legs are almost misused in the modern game, where it's it's kind of a speed bump or a separator between guys who are who are you know bombers and guys who are more tacticians and precision guys, and and it's this was like the 14th hole out there today was evident of. You know, like there shouldn't be, it should be, all right, if you feel comfortable taking it down the left side and getting the correct angle versus hitting a little bit longer and taking it down the right side versus like there was no, none of that decision making no. was inherent in that. It was either, it was either I have to deal with this bunker and I have to deal with the dog leg or the dog leg is totally irrelevant and I'm flying it completely over right. it. I'm going to have a wedge in my hand versus a five iron. Right. We saw a lot of, I don't know, just, I don't want to. I don't know if butchery is the right word, but just kind of like, like some of the stuff these guys were doing. Just all right, that's not golf strategy. I, mean, I was a little and, bit shocked too. Like, I played the pro am. Shout out to Solly for caddying for me. I'm not a hero, but that was that was relatively in, insightful for me because it was. I don't know. I had trouble with the rough. I mean, it was it was kind of sticky, fescueish, like overseed uh, rye type rough in. Like these guys were saying, this is like half the rough that they've had in previous years, really? where you don't really ascribe rough to a to a very dry desert course. But you know, they said with it was tougher this year than in years past, just because they've they've stretched it out a little bit and the greens were a little bit faster. But the rough was like half of what it was in previous years. It's safe to say that Sergio Garcia's first tournament as a Callaway staff member at the Singapore Open went pretty well. Uh, he won the event going away by five shots, and here's what he had to say about Callaway after the round. He said, I love it. I love the golf ball. The golf ball is amazing. The woods are incredible, and the irons are great. The wedges are very nice, and the putter, they just made me a new one. The azalea, which is really nice. Obviously, I'm really pleased with everything right now, and I still feel like I can get better. Visit CallawayGolf.com slash jailbreak to check out the new Rogue lineup, including the Fairway Woods, which now feature jailbreak technology from Callaway. Callaway, the number one driver, and Fairway Wood in golf. Sergio had the Rogue driver, the Rogue 3 and 5 wood, and the Apex MB irons, Mac Daddy 4 wedges, and the Toulon Design Azalea putter, and the Chrome Soft X golf ball. Safe to say Sergio's feeling good with the new gear and off to a hot start this year. Now back to the podcast. What happened with Fleetwood? And again, he won here last year and has since in the in the last year uh, gotten married and had a kid. He had a kid like what the hell is this kid? Four months old. Four months. Um, came back here. Frankie. Had to deal with the um, 
just the everything that comes with defending a title, all of the media attention, all of the obligations and all the distractions. And I think, I assuming the tournament kind of like sets you up with more family rooms and stuff like that. I mean, he had a big entourage. We'll talking to him. his dad, his dad had come last year as well. So like they've, okay. they've come here prior cause it's just a comfortable place for them to come. But, um, you know, talking to him about, I don't know, just like he, he won the player of the year trophy for last year's season, but they presented that this week. Then not only that, I think just it's a little bit different when you're defending and you're already relatively established in your career. He is, what was he at the end of or at the beginning of last season? Somebody said it, but probably before this event last year, again that he won, he was like 188th in the world, and I think as of right now he's 12th. Yeah, like that is just a and it hasn't been any like fluky wins either. No, 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 no. No, no, no. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we, I want to talk weight, like yeah. European rankings, Ryder Cup, all that well, stuff. But Fleetwood like, just, is not. Just specific to Fleetwood, he's very, um, I think with his, like it's just been this steadily upward trajectory. Like WGC Mexico last year, US Open, mm-hmm. this tournament last year. For him to come back, be defending, win player of the year trophy, um, have all that go on in his personal life and then follow up kind of the first really in- exceptional season of his career and then just come right back out right. and get back to it and just, just pick up right where he left off. Like to me, that's he validated everything that he did last year. And I don't know, he's just like just talking to him and being around him and seeing how he interact with the fans, like the manner in which he did all of that. And the grace and the right. Like, I don't. I don't know. I think he's it, like I'm. I'm as big a fan. Right. As, so let's separate yeah. out how just how cool he is yeah. on one side and talk about just him as a player. So I hate to come back to like Norin as being my punching bag, but uh, people kind of generalize what I say about European golfers and to think that I hate all of them. And it's like, all right, if you can't see the difference between Norin and Fleetwood, and I know Norin's had an incredible run, but you know his rise to like top ten in the world. There's you shouldn't be looking at Norin and being like, yeah, that's a top ten player in the world. Now, you let me get and through Porter it. Order and all those guys are going to be upset with you. Let Oklahoma me get through State. it. <laughs> let me get through it. If you don't look at Fleetwood and see a top ten player, like you're just wrong. If you can't see the difference between like those two players and separate out the criticisms I've had about rankings and stuff like that, then I can't help because you because he's done it everywhere. Exactly. Too. So yeah. Fleetwood is a absolute star like there's no debating that i feel the same way about fleetwood that i do about leishman yeah that totally i can see totally like just genuinely nice guys that you want to cheer for but on the course they're 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 not the longest guys out there but they're long enough but they yeah they drive it straight and they and they they are absolute flushers assassins with their irons yeah they hit it and 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 again like it just going like Fleetwood is going to be an incredible asset to the European Ryder Cup team. There's no yeah. one on the U.S. side. We'll that's get going to, to the Ryder Cup. That. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like this week, I feel like I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading my mentions too much. But yeah. like people have lost perspective. It's like people. I, some of I don't know. Like, well, a the, any any European tour guys listening to this. I'd be careful what you're saying around Saleh because I feel like he's like a mole or something. You can say whatever you want to me, but what am I a mole? I'm, what do I you mean, know, I'm spying I, for? I feel like you're gonna you're gonna take this stuff. You're gonna take this intel back to oh, take the it. U.S. team and say, "Hey, take you it know to what? Jimmy like, Furyk. This is how they're gonna set this shit up." <laughs> and all this stuff. It's actually they did give us some insight that they're gonna be making this course pretty narrow, yeah. but um, 
no, I, I I don't know. I think I think people are overly generalizing the way U.S. fans think about this upcoming Ryder Cup. No, and and again, we'll talk more about Ryder Cup in the future here. But the U the 2016 European team was a weak team. I said it before the event. I said it after the event. Like it just wasn't a strong team. The 2014 U.S. team was not a strong team. Like on the 2006 paper, U.S. team was not oh, a strong. Team. <laughs> don't get me started about that. Um, like it, it just it, this year is going to be an unbelievably good matchup. I well, think. these guys said they they said you know after last year's matchup, you know talking to some of the assistant captains and talking to some of the players, they said, hey, like they went up to Davis afterwards and were like, this is like you were you were a little bit cheeky in the way you set it up and that you oh yeah you know the mo lines were way way wide and and you know things were yeah i don't know how i feel that i i don't see like totally drastic differences in, enough in style to that, have that matter that I don't know, much man. talking Not to talking much. to richie richie won richie won the us amateur at hazeltine right so he knows that course he met his wife that week right. so he has very pleasant memories of this is Richie Ramsey. Very pleasant memories of Hazeltine. And he said, he was like, yeah, the way they set that course up was was absolutely, you know, absolutely just... Just, yeah, favoring bombers. Play. I yeah, get it. But yeah. I, I just think like, I don't know. I don't think that the, the two teams play that different of a style that it's like, oh, well, we're going to set up the team, yeah, the, a course like, that you can't play, the somebody like Matt, can't play Somebody on. like Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I look at like DJ, DJ, what... Did he win Mexico last year? He did, right? I think so. It was um, like him and Fleetwood do one. Yeah. yeah. And like JT is one like on Wiley and like Speeth is a I get it. it yeah. It's not like a it's not like these bomber guys can't play like tight or narrow courses or courses. No, 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 I get that the bomber guys can't play tight or narrow courses, but like they they can go that way. Mhm. But it's it's when you make the other guys go the other way. Sure, that it doesn't and you fit. take the skill and the precision out of it and it's just a Test of brute strength. Yeah, I can see that. And I'm not saying that DJ and right. Kepka and those guys don't have skill. I don't. I don't right, mean right. It in that regard at all. But it's just it it makes it makes the precision element less important. The the point is, the U.S. team was was a strong team in 16, and they're yeah. adding to it. Like yeah. there's no doubt. Like JT was not on that team. Like Berger again is not. I don't. I don't put. I ne- maybe I might have said this in the past. Actually, I don't think Berger's a better player than Fleetwood. I might have actually said that in the past, but I didn't mean it. If I did, um, but the European team is obviously going to be stronger with Rom, Casey, and Fleetwood. Like, there's no debating that. But it wasn't close last go around. Was my overall point. But, but. They, they, there, I mean, there were a few guys too this week that I I really uh, watched a lot of Peters. He was a little bit disappointing today. Um, yeah. But, you know, tough I mean, Sunday, yeah, but yeah, tough Sunday. He hits the ball pretty high, right? Too it was windy, um, but like Terrell Hatton, like he'll be, he'll be solid. Yeah, watching but, watching Alexander Levy. I hope he makes the team. <laughs> That'd be awesome. They all need the a Euro- French guy. All the European, you know, all the European journalists were like, "Yeah, this this guy's totally mad. Like he's 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 just insane." And like seeing him in person, like he swings just out of his shoes at. at Every shot, like they described him as the European Patrick Reed. Yes, which was I think that very that. apt. We know? need that, especially in France at this at this course. Like we had dinner last night with Eddie Pepperell, and he was like, "Like seriously, this is going to be. Are you guys going to the Ryder Cup?" We're like, "I, yeah, almost positive we're, we're going, going to the Ryder Cup." And he was like, "Good, this is going to be like." He's like, "I'm, I might 
attend as a fan because it's going to be that good. Yeah. Like the settings, like the 18th hole. And I hope every match goes to the 18th hole. It's going to be just absolutely yeah. lit. Um, but no, people are like, all right. So I don't know, maybe it was a troll question. It was like, are you guys, are you changing your Ryder Cup projections now that you've actually seen European talent up front? It's like, no. It, I, well, I was, our point team, is, I was on Team Europe. Well, yeah. <laughs> you were rooting for Europe. Yeah. But I, I just think this is a more interesting it's not like menagerie our, of guys. This yeah. is A, not the first time like I've been to a European tour event or that we've like watched European tour golf. Come on. like I probably watched more European tour. Like that was that was part of the reason we came to this event. Yeah. Was Big Randy and I would, would basically sit there on Saturday and Sunday mornings and, and this would come on at 7 or 8 a.m. Um, and then Neil would watch it back in San Francisco when he got home from the bars and, uh, you know, and like the weather's good and and the weather's miserable back home. Right. You know, and it's like, man, this is sweet. And there's a big Falcon clubhouse. The Falcon clubhouse. That was pretty much 90% of the reason why we came was to see the Falcon. Like, like (laughs) whoever, (laughs) big Randy, big Randy made this comment this week. Like, I want to meet the guy that walked into that, that meeting and said like, guys all right bear with me here we're gonna make a big clubhouse and it's gonna be a giant falcon but not only is it gonna be a giant falcon but like you can get up in the head of the falcon yeah, there's gonna be a little meeting room in the head of the falcon yeah. um and, and so I, I don't know i've been to a couple of events i went to like malaysia and south korea and those events to me felt smaller than a normal pga tour event that i went i've been to and, and it was directly back from course to course to hotel right right? yeah yeah pretty much but but i i expected this week to feel like that event i expected to feel like in malaysia where i i was like who i didn't know who attends an event in abu dhabi is it locals is it expats abu dhabi i I didn't know abu dhabi was 90 percent expats which we discovered this week but this event felt way more like a big pga tour event than it did like a small pga tour event yeah like this felt i would put it on par with like colonial or um i don't know probably memorial is probably a little bit it's probably between colonial and memorial like two two events that are mainstays on the tour that are that are uh you know exceptional events um but you know kind of uh i mean a there's no income tax here so <laughs> I got a VAT now. Five percent yeah, five percent VAT. VAT people are up in arms yeah it's not a january good one um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like in the in the pro am, um, play with a guy from the Abu Dhabi Sports Council, Brandon Grace, and then guy that runs the uh, like all the Mercedes dealerships in the UAE. And he was basically just saying he's like he's like he was a German guy, he lived in Mexico for a while, lived in Spain for a little bit, and he's like, this is this is my favorite place I've ever lived. It's yeah, just, it's just comfortable and it's it's it's. The, I think the, I, the way I tried to explain it was like if there was an international space station on Earth, like this is it. This is like the Truman Show. It is just this bubble that you don't realize that we're bordering Saudi Arabia right now. We, that we're across the Gulf from like yeah. Iran. People are friendly, but it, it's just it's like the a safest complete bubble. place I think yeah. I've ever been. It's Even more a, so than Jacksonville or Atlanta, where I grew up. Like it's it's a total bubble, yeah. and it's like this weird. I don't know, almost like a mythical place, and it's just yeah. the weather is always good. There's like 
gets really hot in the summer, but like it's 75 degrees and sunny every day here yeah. that we've been here. So I, I understand it now as like this. It's like Phoenix. Oasis. Yeah, it's like an oasis yeah. for. It's a little we, bit more humid than Phoenix. We met a lot of British. We met some like British girls the day we got here that were just, they come here like every January, like to get out of the weather in England yeah. and that gets seven They said, hey, flight. we'd been to Dubai the last four years and then we decided to try out Abu Dhabi. And Abu Dhabi, I think, is a little bit, it's a little bit more quiet. Um, you know, Dubai. Go to your analogy. Do your analogy. Well, it's perfect. A, well, so D- Dubai doesn't have any oil, so they've had to like totally diversify. And then over the last you know four or five years, the price of oil has kind of dipped. And I think Abu Dhabi is kind of ahead of the curve in that regard, where uh, it, it almost feels like Abu Dhabi has fun. They're they're uh, successful. They're like somebody that you knew in college that was that was that studied hard. They went to business school. But they still had fun along the way, and Dubai seems like the person that, you know, like washed out, went to Vegas, and put it all in black, <laughs> sort of thing. We didn't make it to Dubai. We yeah. tried. We wanted yeah. to go, um, but just the way that everybody kind of talks about it, they're right. like, you know, it's, and like, you know, some of these guys, like, I mean, Rory lives in Dubai. Like a lot of these guys live in Dubai. They're all. That was the cool thing about the event today too. Like all these guys are, you know, it's a it's an hour drive. Right. It, it's it's like it's like. Uh, I'm trying to think. It would be it'd be like San Francisco and San Jose. Right. And it's like a there's a rivalry. Like it's clear that there's a rivalry yeah. between the two cities. But um so let's talk about after the round, after you know, we kind of we've had a insanely busy week with some sixteen, eighteen hour days and we were kinda of like, All right, we covered the golf, like we're done. Let's go get our beer. Like we just went up to the clubhouse, grabbed a beer and uh ran into like Fleetwood's caddy up there and Ian. Ian oh, he's the man. So so Neil it's Neil had told us to like he sent towels to him and he used them in the rounds and like this guy is an absolute frame. <laughs> I mean he's he's a he's, big dude. He's like six six, six seven. Um this drunk guy bumped into him earlier earlier on, like pretty pretty early on in the evening and I thought Ian was gonna swing on him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like the nicest guy in yeah, the world. Yeah, and then he was he was you know, but like he's he's totally he's like, Yeah, like Come have a beer. I'll buy you a beer. I'm like, no, we'll buy you a beer, man. You just actually no. He should buy us a beer. He just made a lot of money. Um, but so yeah, we like we're having a couple beers with him outside. And he's like, hey, you want to come upstairs? And we go upstairs and like Fleetwood's there partying with his fa- like not really partying. He's got like a four yeah. month old and it wasn't getting too wild, yeah. but it was cool to just sit up there like the trophies sitting right there in the middle of the table. And I've kind of always always wanted to see the scene of what uh, how a guy celebrates a win and getting to do that was was pretty special we're in the lie. we're in the head of the falcon correct upstairs in yeah. the clubhouse but and then you know tommy's so we're sitting next to tommy's tommy's dad up there who was i think he laid uh he laid curbs like on on like kind of the the road works and the construction crews he laid curbs and i asked him i was like are you a golfer he said oh i used to be i still play you know i still play but i don't play as much like how often do you play? He's like, oh, I, I, you know, I only play twice a week now. <laughs> twice a week, <laughs> plenty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're a you're a it's big golfer in the states. Yeah, um, but he said, uh, you know, he, he said, basically, he put a club. He, he he waited until Tommy picked up a club on his own accord, and and then I said, all right. Well, so then, when did you know that he was he was a special player? And he said from the moment he picked up that first club. Really? Yeah. And we talked, we spent some time with his coach, uh, Alan Thompson. Alan Thompson, um, yeah. And how, he was Tommy's coach from the time he was 13 years old. 
And uh, just hearing kind of the fascinating story of he, you know, he was he coached him up till the time he was professional, and then kind of told him, I think you know he didn't have necessarily confidence in himself. He's like essentially as a small was a small time coach. I was coached yeah. him in 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 England out in Southport, and thought you know to be to take it to the next level. Tommy needed a different coach, and kind of told him that he just didn't have the same confidence in what he was teaching him, and uh, their relationship just kind of had reached its peak. Uh, and then it was, was kind of like he didn't, he didn't know what he didn't know. Right. He didn't realize that. So they, they ended up splitting up for a while. Tommy was, I don't know who taught Tommy after that. Um, and then they ended up. And like, and like they, they tried to change his ball flight, his right. whole mentality and everything. And, yeah. he, and he was just totally lost. He just got disoriented and it wasn't, it was just too many thoughts or too many different, like he was all messed up on where he was aiming. And then he came back around, came back to Alan and said, let's work, let's get back to working together. And, and Alan kind of diagnosed like he he you know Tommy, Tommy like they they kind of left on good terms. And right. He, he said, he said, hey man, like you know you're not long for me. Go go out and see what else is out there. Sure. Go work with somebody like Butch or somebody like that. And and uh, you know and and no, like I don't think he went and worked with Butch. I don't. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But um, but you know then he kind of came back and sent him his you know sent him a short video of his swing and said, hey, like. I'm lost, man. Like, you know, and within 10 minutes, he was like, here's what's wrong. Like, right. And it took him, it took him three to six months to really dig out of it and, and commit to the new thing and everything. But he said, you know, and, and that was where Tommy, he said tonight, that was where Tommy Fleetwood kicked in to mm-hmm. where, you know, I told him what was wrong. I told him what I thought. I told him how to fix it. And then he just went to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from there, I mean, that was, he said that was 18 months ago. And, the first three months they kind of worked on, you know, the, the process of it. Next three months was kind of applying it on the course. And then really from there it was like this week last year. Yeah. And from, for, and from then on, it's like, he's been total he's been transformation. Fuego, you know? and, and for every like success story like that, there's gotta be how many guys that just don't ever really either find that or refind it, whatever it is. And to sit there with a the guy that kind of brought him to this level on a night, that they're celebrating a win was kind of surreal and kind of to see that just that, that peak was, was pretty special. Well, it was cool too. Cause he, 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 you could tell that it was, it was a validation of, you know, he didn't, he, he basically said it himself. He said, I didn't have enough confidence in myself and I didn't know, I didn't know how rock solid my teaching methods were. Right. I was just this small time guy to range. And, right. and sure enough, like, you know, here, what I was teaching was, was actually, world class and it's produced these results and it's can we share what tommy said to us tonight which was you know so we we talked to tommy at the players that part of the audio actually ended up going on kyle porter's podcast over on cbs so he's never technically been on our podcast but we're like you know we really should have you on he's he was familiar with it and he's like yeah if, if we get enough you know if we get enough requests yeah, i'll come on yeah. feedback so this, this feedback, is the official yeah. the official request for you guys to flood Tommy's Twitter or whatever way you if you want Tommy to come on the podcast just hit him with a million mentions and he'll yeah. he'll do it. So all right, so we said earlier like I want to separate out Tommy the player from the person and don't want to get too clouded by he's kind of a contagious personality and like you were saying he looks even like every fan that asks him something or says something to him he looks he him in the eye he acknowledges absolutely everybody and like comes over and smiles, takes a picture with you and he, he's and the, the amount of attention he's getting is increasing every single week and yeah. every single time I've seen him in any kind of scenario 
every request you ever have of him, he does it with a smile. That's well, that's and, not a normal yeah, I mean, thing. Hearing hearing some of the other caddies talk about like playing playing with them at you know the the uh, the uh, Open Championship last year, you know basically his home his home event. You know it wasn't his home course growing up, but his home event and all these guys said if I have to hear oh that a boy Tommy Ladd <laughs> one more time like they were Tommy gonna Ladd. lose it you know and then we we heard that I mean. The crowds were so friendly today, and it's not like he was going against some right. adversarial. It was, you know, it was Rory and Ross Fisher and Thomas Peters and Matthew Fitzpatrick, like very Western European or and or British or right. Irish guys, you know. And, there was and, no necessarily reason to favor Tommy and yeah. those guys. And but. then you know, but like every time he just he's got these like steely blue eyes, and he just looks everybody in the eye, and then. Just talking to it, you know, ha- you know, talking there and having drinks with his buddies afterwards. It was like, yeah, like Tommy's the same guy he was. Yeah, he was five years ago. He was eighteen months ago when he was at the depths of his career. He was twenty years ago. Easy to root for, yeah. and yeah. I, I encourage people to 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 root for him in that in that regard. Um, can we talk about um, Matt Fitzpatrick? We can. That guy. So I'm not gonna lie. Going before we started interviewing him, before we went to interview him. Hold on. Can we can we just go back to Tommy's shot on 16? Okay. Yeah. We gotta talk about that. Yeah. So, so people were giving me shit on there. Like, uh, like I tried. I said something in my tweet. Like, TV can't do justice for how sick this shot was into the wind. And the and it point, was kind of hazy. Yeah. A little bit. I don't know. There's like a little bit dusty today. The point I was trying to make was like, yeah, you can see on TV that his shots into the wind or something like that, but like you and I play golf. We're sitting there in the fairway, right kind of next to him. And like that shot just didn't feel possible. Like into and off the right. In- I struggle into the sun. First of all, cause you just can't really see your target. It was uphill. It was into the wind and it was hazy as hell. outside. Yeah. And he just flushed it and he had no idea. Like he knew he hit it well, but he had no idea kind of, you know, where it was headed. And uh, Ian, his caddy was like, he was like, yeah, that was, yeah, that was. So he hit it and he didn't know where it was. Like, Is yeah. that good? And he was like, uh, yeah. It's, and Ian picked up the bag and was walking before it even apexed. And, it, 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 and he'd made like a 25 footer for Birdie on the previous hole. Yeah. And, and the run, and it was, it was just, it, it was blowing like pretty he was, damn He hard. was three or four, he was four shots down at, at, like at one point late in the front nine today, too. So and that's was, what, when I watch golf on TV, when, when the wind is blowing. I, I don't know. To me, it still doesn't seem that difficult for these guys. But when you actually like are there and feel the wind and stuff, it was more. It was a twenty-five mile an hour wind yeah. today too. It was yeah. n- it, not insignificant by any means, especially when you juxtapose it with the rest of the week. Yeah, when it's totally, yeah. totally benign, nothing. To, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he just hooded a three wood in, coming into eighteen and messed it all up, but got up and down for a really clutch birdie. Well, he, I mean, seventeen. He he piped the drive, like yep. just pured it, hit one to. Probably 15 feet. That was sick because it was a left yeah. to right wind, and he hit it like a little draw against the wind, and like it, you could start to see it draw, and then the wind yeah. took it once the spin kind of came off and took it back towards the flag. And but the it greens was, were very like they were pretty firm, so you had to yeah. you had to clip one in order to get it to stop yeah. within five feet or so. But it was just a guy totally in control of his ball. Hit a great drive down 18. Hit a bad approach, but chipped up to 12 feet or so on 18. Drained the putt and just let it out. Than that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean it was such a clutch putt and. uh I'm I'm pumped for him, man. I'm, I'm excited to watch him. I think he's going to play a lot more in the states Again, this year. Just, it's like he picked up right where he left off, and there's been no, 
there hasn't been any adjustment period to where he's basically felt like right oh shit i'm an elite player now right like and it's like he felt he he felt confident all the way along and he's just he's just riding the wave right before we get into fits um should we talk about uh the mcrib the artist formerly known as the McRib. yeah the pacemaker we're retiring the McRib nickname, and uh, we suggested a few to to the Big Aorta, the Notorious EKG, and he wanted to go with the pacemaker. So the pacemaker is back, just doesn't have the same ring as the McRib is back, though. Is the only thing I feel like the pacemaker's always been here. Okay, yeah. but he's back. We can say that, right? Yeah. No, no. I, I think this has been a very. I mean, really, he was he played three. I don't, I don't want to say flawless rounds. The front nine on Thursday was. Just kind of just didn't make mistakes. Just getting the yeah. You know, just just kind of getting things primed a little bit, and then got consistently better each of the first three days, and then he was he was actually playing pretty well through about eleven or twelve holes today, and then kind of sputtered a little bit. Um, and then you know, but I think overall it's a you know this is his first time playing in three three and a half four months, and it's he, he's playing next week, and then my biggest takeaway is he's playing. He said he's playing. 25 events the, the Ryder Cup will be his 25th event of the year and then the way that he was talking he said hey I'll probably play another four or five after the Ryder Cup right no it's so. it's he's super I don't know he's amped up and kind of the way your takeaway I guess from the press conference was this is Rory 2.0 like he's he spent 10 years on tour kind of needed a break just for health reasons and you know he took the last few months off and he's re-energized and it's going to be kind of like all right this is my next 10 years it's kind of my second phase of my it's career almost like he's transitioning into being a veteran yeah pretty you much know? um so there was a ton of encouraging signs so I, I got to see a lot of rory this week and it felt like i feel like when rory gets hot it, he either is hitting it to 15 feet on every hole and running in a bunch of 15 footers or he's stuffing it mm-hmm. and making a ton of birdies i felt like this week was neither it was hitting yeah. a ton of shots to 15 feet, and he it didn't feel like he made anything. Yeah. And, and and I don't know how his putting numbers would fall out, but he was he had a lot of wedges in, and he was not hitting a lot of them close. He was not far off, but it just was like every single wedge he would hit in. I'm like, I I wanted more. Like I was kept waiting for him to like start firing at it, and he just was just. But also, up. he wasn't. I feel like with the wedges, he's he's either been on or off. Mm-hmm. It was. And it was almost encouraging that he wasn't like middle game. He wasn't yeah. either. He yeah. was, he was, you know, he was hitting him to mid range, 15, 20 feet. Right. Um, so he's going to have, I don't know. I thought the whole week was encouraging from the perspective. It was like, I didn't feel like I watched him play great golf at any point. He, he drove, drove it, it great. He drove it quite well. Yeah. He drove it yeah. really well, but it wasn't, I don't know. I just never felt like he was not in tight and missing a bunch of short yeah. putts. And, but I think I was, but he wasn't dialed in from 12 right. to 15 feet. His irons weren't totally dialed in, and his putter wasn't dialed in from yeah 12 yeah. to 15 feet. Nothing that it's concerned. I mean, the, the fact that he shot as low as he did was very encouraging in my mind. It felt way closer than at any point in 17. Yeah. Well, it just felt like he was at ease with everything. Yeah. And it felt like, I don't know, I was impressed with, I'll be honest, I was kind of, after 17, it was a transition year, and equipment-wise, and just, just everything. And I felt like with Harry... You know, it was kind of like Harry was like a temporary stopgap, and I felt like this year, I don't know, Harry was, he seemed like he was a part of the team. I mean, like, I was impressed with Harry just not knowing a whole lot about him, you know, going in, and it seemed like he was just his his regular loop, and they, and they had a very, you know, it was a very seamless camaraderie, so. It is like, and, and you know, Rory has said in the past, like, he's way more 
going to be more plugged into his own yardage he's book. He's going to yeah. take more responsibility yeah. for yardages, club decisions, etc. But it does seem like, I mean, Harry's like, I don't want to say learning on the job, but it doesn't seem like he's new on the bag anymore. No, it, it, yeah. Like it seemed like he learned on the job last year. Yeah. He, he kind of acquitted himself well. And now he's he's kind of earned his keep. And yeah. I mean, the number of times he called Harry in to kind of confirm what his read was on a puck right. was, was actually, I was like, whoa, like he's, you know, like, like yeah. Harry's, Harry's, Harry's the real deal. Yeah. Know? No. So uh, I, I thought really good opening week for the McRib, sorry, the pacemaker. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm just really encouraged by how much we're going to see him this year and how much he's going to play in the U S and, um, yeah, I, I don't know, just kind of with Tiger coming back this coming week and Rory being healthy now and all of this, like JT the coming married up the year. Life has, has helped Rory too. Yeah. Just, just getting that sense of, Stability. Know, it's him some balance and some foundation. I mean, shit, the whole nutritionist thing. Yeah. He was talking about his omega threes and omega sixes. I was like, Roy, you're starting to sound like Tiger a little bit. <laughs> you know? Um, all right. So, Matt Fitz, going into us interviewing him this week, I, I'm not going to lie. I thought, didn't know a whole lot, didn't know a ton about him. Obviously, he knew he was a U.S. amateur champ. Uh, spent a short amount of time at Northwestern, but just very, very short amount. Very of time. short. <laughs> I kind of thought he'd be boring. I'm not gonna lie, and I, I didn't wasn't I sure think what I knew to there expect. was enough there. Um, Randy and I have kind of followed him, at a just because he was kind of met up with him at Hilton Head, what, like three or four years ago when he was still an AM, and uh, but didn't really know much about his personality. Just knew about his game, and then for him to, I don't know. I feel like he's kind of bringing, and this isn't meant to be derogatory towards his game at all, but like kind of bringing a BB gun to a gunfight. Right. <laughs> and like that BB gun's getting more and more and more powerful as he as he as he fine tunes his swing, as he gets in the weight room and everything like that, but I think it's just a testament to the guy who knows how to play golf. He's right. not he's not, you know, and he's utilized the track man, which he talked about a lot on the podcast, but he's he's basically kind of bootstrapping himself up to a world-class level from a guy that that managed the golf course, drove it in the fairway, and just putted lights out. I was just impressed too with how willing he was to speak out about his disappointment on his yeah. playing time at the Ryder Cup, and just he's a well-spoken guy, and but not afraid to say some things. He's hungry. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of kind of passion behind what he does, and seems to be a guy that works really hard. I know you were talking to to his manager just about how his golf swing is high maintenance and that he works a lot at it. And it's so much based yeah. on timing and it's, it's, but I would, I just did, I was not expecting like him to be the kind of guy to, to joke around during the middle of a round during the <laughs> final round of a Sunday. Like he hit this just trage driver off five into the wind and just kind of like turned and smirked to me. Like, yeah, that, that was for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, not like he, that would, from that he would guy. just come up. I don't know. I kind of try to stay in the shadows yeah. and like, Middle of the round on Saturday, just came up and like yeah. fist bump me. Like, yeah, yeah, dude, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> some guys just like get totally locked yeah. in, which is uh, to be more of what I would expect. Like not yeah. to, to like no. talk to people during the middle of a round, but didn't expect him to just be like that cool and kind of entertaining and funny. So he walked after he walked off, and again I tweeted about these stories. But like after he walked off and shot twenty nine on Saturday, he like looked over With and two like, fairways. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I should come on the podcast more often. Like he knew, like I was gonna could say something about the podcast bump. But. So today, his caddy, um, he's walking between nine and ten, and I'm standing on ten T. I kind of just gotten out there. I was in the media center prior, and and he, 
he's just ripping a cigarette, just like taking the longest drags I've ever seen as he's walking up. And and I'm like, good one, huh? And he's like, oh, this is the best part of my day, man. And I felt like like Neil Neil and Randy would have been like, oh, this guy is speaking to my soul right now. And my he's like, like, he's like, yeah, man, it's the, it's the only long walk on the course. Otherwise, I don't have a chance to to, to just kind of be to myself and and smoke a cig and just and just kind of decompress before the back nine. And then everybody walks up and and the hubbub kind of commences, but. He was like, "This is just my little thirty seconds of the day." And yeah. what did you think of uh, playing the pro in with Brandon Grace? Um, Brandon was fantastic. He, uh, it was, it was a ball striking fiesta all day. Not on yeah. my end, on his end. You hit it pretty good. I was shocked just at, at how he doesn't carry a three iron. He doesn't carry a four iron. Um, he carries like utility irons and for somebody who hits his long irons and his mid irons as well as he does, just traps them and compresses them. That was a little bit surprising. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, he, he's, I'm a little bit, I, I don't want to say concerned, but a little bit, uh, taken aback that he hasn't won more and done more on the world stage. Cause he's just, he's so well-rounded, he's so rock solid and well-rounded with, every element of his game and then Zach his caddy was that was kind of that was the big takeaway for me from the day was uh was how cool Zach was and yeah. how willing to interact and just and just how good of a story he had too I mean he, he's just a genuine authentic yeah guy and they were talking Afrikaans to each other all day yeah. which was fascinating as well it's so it was it's funny like Hey, I've never really caddied before, so caddying for you alone, and I was not even, yeah. I was more focusing on, like, filming you than I was caddying <laughs> for you, but, like, I didn't, um, the, just being so, I've, I don't know, in my head, I've always thought, like, I could caddy for a tour yeah. guy, like, I could do this. The more I'm out there, the more I realize that I absolutely couldn't. Like, he's he just got, he's has the rogue driver in play, and I'm asking a ton of questions about it. I haven't even hit it yet, and he's messing around a lot with it in between holes, and he hits this drive off one of the holes, and he had it set to like eleven and a half or something because I think he was he was, told, he was test he was like yeah shout, shout out to the Fonz yeah he was he was uh, tinkering with it like yeah he was, he was changing hit the, this drive settings just to me looked absolutely murdered and he's and he, like before that even apex he's like oh no 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 and he goes right back to the the screw unscrews it and D lofts it hits another ball and it, to me looked the exact same. And he's like, Oh, that's more like it. Yeah. Maybe was five feet lower, yeah. but that was to me was like, Oh my God. Like this is, I've always known this is a different sport, but I didn't know how different of a sport this was sure. until we saw that. All right, let's wrap it with a uh, few other little nuggets from the week. We got a, we got a flight. We got to catch here. I still need to pack. Here. What time is it? It's 10 30 PM. I'm gonna flight in four. We gotta go check check the Jags game. See if That's it's true. Playing at the airport. I'm not sure how we're gonna do this. Duval. Um, what else? What other like any guys you saw this week, or kind of younger guys that you hadn't got a chance to see, or anything you kind of anything else that stuck out at you? I may be mispronouncing it, but Thomas Dietry or Detry. So it, it's something we you learn too. Is, is everyone on the European tour has some kind of accent? To us, has some kind of accent. So I listened to your podcast <laughs> like and that was that was part of the treat for me this week was just just rubbing shoulders with the sky sports guys and then 
you know, the guys that write for the Times London, the Sunday Times, David Guardian, Cannon, your idol. David Cannon. Oh my gosh. We like, need to have David Cannon on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, talking to David Cannon on you know, a couple of different bus rides to and from the course. Um, you know, just, I mean, the guy's been photographing golf for 40, 45 years. He's been to what, 120, 130 straight majors. The statistics behind like his career are just fascinating. And he was telling me a story about, I don't know if you've ever seen the the 30 for 30 on Hillsborough. Oh. And he, like he's going like so he he has to there's a court date set. Explain what Hillsborough is for So Hillsborough is like this just kind of English soccer disaster that 1989 I think it was that uh, 96 people died yeah. um at this long story short like there was a there was a 30 for 30 on it and there was uh, kind of a police mishap. They ended up like open, literally opening the floodgates to like let way too many people into and would, it, and people got smashed. And they would keep spectators in like these pens yeah. to keep them from fighting with one another. And they got smashed. And that was another takeaway from it was like you know Richie is Scottish, uh, Eddie's English. <laughs> Just talking to them about like the consensus is like I like you kind of always lump Brits in together, right? But it's like, no, man, like the English like to fight. <laughs> you know? That's what that's what that's what Richie said. Yeah. No, but that's yeah, just in general. Yeah. Like I think that's you know, because some of the Eurotour guys were saying that as well. Um like the Eurotour social media guys are like, Yeah, like I'm proudly English, but I like and I don't really like to fight, but I know I know my countrymen like to fight. <laughs> like to drink and fight. But anyways, David Cannon was a photographer at this match that you know, ninety six people died at like just a He was on the field disaster. and they yeah. kept letting all these people in and he kind of heard some ancillary conversations that turned out to be not so ancillary that kind of paved the way for this mishap to happen. And it's been it's been thirty something you know, it's been thirty years basically and uh they're you know, he, he was saying legal he's like, proceedings going you know, on. he's like, I've never been to court before ever and and I have to go testify before basically like what's England's version of the Supreme Court, right? You know, during and and the court date is set for during the Ryder Cup. You know, so it was it was just stark. And but so he used to cover he used to cover English football and golf. And he said after that, I just completely lost my appetite. Yeah, for football, which is you know that's golf that was golf's gain because he's iconic and he's he's you know probably eighty percent of the photographs that you see on. Getty or any yeah on the yeah. newspapers of note like those are David Cannon photographs right um a little bit of I mean I think it may not be that intriguing to people listening or, but it is definitely to us kind of the way European tour operates was just like an extreme breath of fresh air as far as allowing us to kind of shoot what we wanted and kind of just the general laid back atmosphere of um uh, of the whole tour just was it was so much fun like it was so much fun to be around and just kind of feel comfortable you never feel like you're stepping on people's toes there and just kind of the the uh ability to you know not only was it talk to guys accommodating and, but it was you know because all right accommodating that 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 could be a, a result of this being one of the first tournaments of the year and it's kind of an away game for them in the middle east here but Beyond that, it was hospitable. Yeah, you know where where you felt like all right. If you had a problem with the internet, or if you, you know, if you didn't know where to go for lunch, like these guys would kind yeah. of point in the right direction. Where and everyone, and we yeah. had no idea there were this many podcast listeners in the Middle East too. We met a yeah. ton of people that were, you know, that 
pay attention to the show or whatever. But and Dave, him. who lives in Switzerland. Yeah, I mean, we had we had a we had a blast. So yeah. it was great experience. Yeah. I think uh, it was perspective all the way around. Yeah, no, it was just. I mean, there's you know, there's certain hubs of golf around the world. This is the only one that we you know, none of us had ever really been to. I think, and this is. Um, something that I, I, I want to go back. To, I want to see Dubai. I want to go yeah. to Dubai. I want to go to more events here. I want to go to Oman. Yeah. New tournament this year. Um, so they've kind of, that was, that was another thing I wanted to touch on was in the past, this tournament has been the lead in tournament, but then there was the Cotter masters in the middle and then Dubai and, you know, three week stretch is, is a big ask for a lot of guys, right. especially as they're heading into you know, some of these guys head over and play Riviera or, you know, a lot of these guys are playing Valspar or Bay Hill. Um, you know, and then you've got the WGC Mexico and match play. And it's like, you know, th- these guys really have to have to, it, you know, it's kind of like dominoes in the in the first three months of the season, which events you want to play and how you want to get a little bit of rest before things ramp up. And uh, this year having Abu Dhabi and Dubai back-to-back weeks right. has been huge has been essential getting rid of that yeah getting rid of cutter in between the two of them is great for and it sounded like cutter is just you know that like i don't know some of the guys just they're like this tournament's awesome dubai's awesome cutter wasn't all that comfortable (laughs) no there's some there's some some bad hombres over in cutter it sounds like yeah it's not it's definitely not like that here i mean i think the emiratis that we've met and just take such unbelievable pride especially like yeah it is united arab emirates but like they are yeah. abu dhabi is a thing and like the, it's like the, new york versus boston right is and how i would kind of ascribe dubai and the pride and, uh, is abu real dhabi. it yeah. is real and it was you could feel it and you could kind of just see people beaming with pride with yeah. how this event went and everything like that so i was honestly not expecting to enjoy it nearly as much as we did but well awesome. and then and then you know it was really cool to say one of my pet peeves in the states is you have you know, a tournament will end or you know, there'll be a thrilling finish to a tournament and then everybody just leaves. Right. And, you know, like, and I'm not sure if this was just a product of everybody just having to drive an hour north to Dubai or what, but literally like the the scene outside the clubhouse or on the back terrace of the clubhouse was... There was just as many people out there three hours after the round as there was yeah. right after the round. A good, probably a good amount didn't know the tournament had ended or had no. I no. I felt like I felt like all the people like yeah. maybe yesterday, but I felt like right. today everybody there was European tour officials. It was yeah, it true. was volunteers. It was everybody. It was like everybody worked hard all week and then they and, and, celebrated. And then this was kind of their celebration yeah. and the fruits of their labor. And it was it was really refreshing instead of everybody just saying we're out. Hey, hey let's go home. Yeah. You know? On that note. Let's go home. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of here. This is 1045 yeah. Sunday night. We have got a yeah, pretty long night ahead of us. But uh, And then we got a we got a eight or nine hour layover in New York. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um awesome week here. Uh I can't wait to come back and cover some more European tour golf. I know we're gonna be back for Germany later this year and yeah. hopefully Scotland and gonna be back for the Ryder Cup and hopefully doing a lot more stuff over here. But uh pretty pretty awesome week. Thank you everyone that helped make it happen. Thanks for everybody that followed along. Um, and uh, on that note we'll uh, catch you next week crack on crack on be the right club be the right club today yeah. Johnny that's better than most
How about in? That is better than most. Better than most. 